Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Just a few quickies. Tomorrow is a big day for live video streaming from us on Rockfin. We have the DNB XR live with video at one o'clock Pacific, four o'clock Eastern tomorrow on Rockfin. You can get the free version of that on Rumble at the same time. And then we have the Rockfin deep dive. We only do this once a month. It's a couple of hours, a deep dive live at five p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that is on Rockfin for premium. Those are for premium subscribers only. But uh, you can get the DNB regular free 30 live on Rumble tomorrow. So there you go. Big day for tomorrow if you want to see some live propaganda report. Yes, and I will be on Cam and Jessica's show tonight, The Mad Ones, I believe at 8.30. Live streaming, right? Yes, at, I think that's youtube.com slash the mad ones. Yes, that's correct. I can't believe they get away with that. I can't, I don't even think I can live stream anymore on YouTube. Yeah, we don't ever get away with that. Take it away. All right. Well, something has happened this week that has not happened in a long time. And that is that the Oscars are the talk of the town. They're still, <laughs> everybody is talking about the Oscars, the most buzz about them in years. They've got to be thrilled about that. And they have Will Smith, Chris Rock, and the slap heard around the world, the finger tippy tip <laughs> slap heard around the world to thank for it. So here are some of the latest happenings in the aftermath of that fingertip smack publicity stunt, in my opinion. Prior to Will Smith pretending to fight with Chris Rock up on stage, 16.8 million viewers were, were torturing themselves watching the Oscars. After the slap, the viewership swelled to 17.4 million, an increase of half a million. And this is according to Nielsen data that was just released. The viewership had been dropping off up until that point. So it was at early on like 17.7 million and it dropped all the way down to 16.8. And then it shot right back up. And specifically it shot up as Will Smith was getting up to accept his award for Best Actor, because people were anticipating that, and they wanted to see the drama play out. Oh, no, what's going to happen? What's he going to say? This is perfect building of tension and building of drama that you would see in a scripted television show. Pulled it off nicely there. <laughs> yeah. Great job, publicity stunt. Then we had Jim Carrey speaking out. He said, you know Jim Carrey commenting on it. You got to pay attention, because the guy has become a tool of propaganda. I know. I they I don't think he was and I think whatever when his girlfriend died or something they must have gotten to him. I really feel that. Right. Well, he was not happy with what happened. He says he was sickened by the standing ovation. He said that Hollywood is just spineless in mass, and it really feels like this is a really clear indication that we aren't the cool club anymore, talking about Hollywood, <laughs> which makes me wonder, because we've seen all these parallel stories about the rise of the influencer and influencer power. Maybe this is a signal of the changing of the guard to the new celebrity, which is the TikTok, TikTok type influencer in these niches that are all over the, the social media world. And then he said that he, they were talking about how the guy interviewing him was talking about how the slap came out of nowhere or the slap was building tension is what he said from past experiences with Chris Rock. They've been trying to build this up as though they had an ongoing <laughs> feud, but they really it's didn't. A beef. 
Right. They got a beef. <laughs> yeah, I looked at some of the beef they were talking about, and it was literally nothing. It was no beef at all, really. And Carrie said, it, no, it came out of nowhere, and it came out of nowhere because Will Smith has something going on inside of him that's frustrated. And he's not the first person to echo that sentiment. That DJ or that radio host who interviewed Hillary the black guy, I can't remember his name, Char- Sh- Charmelin the God. Is that oh, his name? Oh, Charlemagne. Yes, Charlemagne the God. He also was speaking about how there's something deeply wrong and disturbing inside Will Smith. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I think there's a theme emerging there of mental health, which I think you might have pointed out right away. And Chris Rock continues to see the benefits here as he's adding second shows in Detroit, Atlanta, Cincinnati, all across the country due to increased demand. People want to know what he has to say about Will Smith and probably Will Smith's wife. And finally, deputies responded to Will Smith, to a call to Will Smith's mansion in California, Los Angeles, over reported drones that they believe might have been paparazzi trying to swoon in and get photos (laughs) of whoever he was slapping at the moment. I don't know. But I would say that this PR stunt is working well for most people. And even though Will Smith seems to be getting dragged in the news a little bit now, the popularity, according to that poll we, we saw yesterday, still seems to be up for him. Oh, yeah, he can definitely take it. And, of course, no, publicity is bad publicity. It's I think true. Donald Very Trump true. proved that to be an absolute fact. So there is some uh, marketing afoot. There is a second booster approved for adults 50 and over for Pfizer or Moderna. It's a emergency use authorization is actually what I think it is because not an approval. I think the approval at the Pfizer approval, whatever is very narrowly defined as to how many doses and who and whatever, because the CNN report said the FDA has expanded the emergency use authorization of the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines to allow adults 50 and older to get a second booster as early as four months after their first booster dose of any COVID-19 vaccine. I cannot believe that they just mix and match this stuff. Can you imagine the lack of (laughs) scientific rigor that goes into that? That's like how I cook, because I'm not a good cook. I just kind of throw stuff in and see how (laughs) it comes out. Why they cancel each other out or get all disgusting. Well, I did put in the show notes the CNN article that did go into where they they used Israeli data and yada yada. But there is actually some evidence that this thing reacts differently to different um, people based on their race or ethnic origin. And I think Ashkenazi Jews, which is not usually the, the Israeli ones primarily, but maybe uh, I think those are Sephardic, if I'm not mistaken, but. Uh, they may actually have a different outcome on some of this stuff. I mean, if you really wanted to get into that, you might not, it, it might not make sense to use data from other countries, but who knows? I mean, I don't believe most of what I read about this stuff anyway. Although there is this BA2, it's like the next Omicron or something, the Delta Cron, or I don't know what the hell <laughs> I call it. It's half of all new cases. It is absolutely raging in London, and it is starting to drive numbers up in California. I know it's big in the Northeast. So sadly, I feel like this thing is not yet over, and it goes on the heels of them lifting mask mandates, lifting in the UK vaccine mandates. It's so obvious a ploy to connect lifting that stuff and seeing a surge kind of, you know, it's almost too obvious 
I know you were saying you thought it was Democrats trying to get reelected. Maybe it makes them it validates their past behavior to say, see what happens. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, that's a good question. I wonder what the timeline of it is going to be like, because it does appear to be slowly but surely coming back, which makes me think that maybe the Ukraine-Russia war is going to start tailing off a little bit (laughs) as as this picks back up. I mean, they are having they are in the middle of peace talks. And and I I will say that just in the wake of or as this news is emerging about boosters and more um, Omicron, whatever, they're doing something which I consider to be a violation of human rights on the border. They are vaccinating people. It really upsets me because Catholic Charities was named in The Wall Street Journal as one of the organizations that's giving vaccines to people seeking asylum. So what they're doing is there's this thing called Title 42, which was a pandemic era, Trump era rule that said that Border Patrol could turn away asylum seekers without even listening to their cases because pandemic. Now, that's under review and it might go away. And what Biden's been doing is he's been or his administration has been picking and choosing that they've been inconsistently applying that. So when somebody comes to seek asylum, they can turn them away or they can let them in. What they're doing is they're letting some people in and those people who are there waiting for their asylum case to be looked at, they have to get vaccinated. So it's a moral hazard in two ways. One is no doubt whoever's pulling the strings there is attracting asylum seekers with the promise of belaying this Title 42 uh, because they want more asylum seekers there because they're those are the ones they're giving the vaccines to. And it's also taking somebody's vulnerability, who's, you know, someone who's seeking uh, refugee yeah. status and uh, exposing them to what is and it's not a vaccine. And in m- many regards, it's experimental, even if you want to take the FDA approval of Pfizer in a narrow window narrow definition, it is still in large part experimental. So I consider it experimental if it hasn't been in trials for for seven years. That's what the definition basically used to be. That's how long trials used to. So it's in phase five trials, which is they have it in the general population, but that doesn't mean that the jury is in. I wonder how many people are saying, you know what, I'm going to turn around and take my chances over here. They might not even know what's in the shot. You're probably right. They might not have any idea what's because there are the language barriers and everything. So there was a conference yesterday that I was not aware of until I saw the reports on it today called the Helsinki Commission. Are you familiar with the Helsinki Commission? The Helsinki Commission is an independent U.S. government agency. This was held in Europe yesterday, and it was created back in 1975 to monitor and encourage compliance with the Helsinki Final Act, which apparently is designed to help relations between the East and the West, although it seems as though it is just people from the East trying to say the West is bad, and here's what we're going to do about it. So It seems like another global conference, but... (laughs) Experts, and by experts, they mean journalists, gathered at this conference yesterday, (laughs) and they gathered there to talk some propaganda, and the subject of the meeting was Russia's extensive and seemingly effective propaganda campaign regarding Moscow's invasion of Ukraine, and they're just trying to figure out what to do about this propaganda. At the meeting, they laid out how Putin does it, 
You know, how he manipulates everybody into believing his lies, and they gave a few ideas for solutions. Here is a little bit of what they had to say. One Russian journalist, he's an, also a fellow at the John Hopkins Agora Institute. It's interesting. Really? He, yeah. So I found that interesting, too. He said that, talking about Putin, his propaganda, he depends on their feeling that, in the words of his own spin doctors, there is no alternative to Putin. And that is why he's doing so much to control the information environment, emotions, and perceptions at home. It's why breaking through the new information iron curtain, that's a really great term there, the new information iron curtain, is a challenge, which is as much psychological as it is technical. Okay, take all of that and apply it to what we're doing too and apply it to what the West is doing. That's kind of the theme I took away from this. Everything that they are saying is really what we do and I'm sure everybody else is doing also. And here's what someone else said. Her name is Fatima Tillis. She's a Russian-American journalist. She spoke of the varied tactics that Russia uses on domestic and international audiences, saying that the Kremlin's disinformation operations are coordinated, duh, they use traditional media outlets, social media platforms, and cyber attacks to bombard people inside and outside Russia with specific messages, each designed for certain audiences. And in targeting domestic Russian audiences, the Kremlin deploys disinfo and propaganda designed as entertainment. The propaganda tells pure lies robustly and convincingly. Thank you for <laughs> describing what we're doing as well, ma'am. Sounds familiar. What's really stood <laughs> out here is the cyber attack angle, because I've noticed this theme a little bit. And we have talked about the use of cyber attacks and how it hasn't been used as much as they said or they thought it originally would. I watched another panel discussion on China and Russia last night, and they brought up in the Russia-Ukraine war, they said that the cyber attacks are the dog that isn't barking. And that they expect more cyber to start to come now. And we've talked about cyber attacks here, but they were talking about it in, in the context of disinformation and propaganda warfare. So I'm thinking deep fakes. I'm thinking that might be why we're seeing some deep fake stuff. The cyber attack, while I think it could be with the ocean, the sea cables, it could also be in the realm of some type of deep fake and propaganda cyber attack. I don't know what other techniques they have for that, but. The dog that isn't barking on cyber attack. So look out for that as well. And one other comment they had to say, they said that Russia propaganda portrays the U.S. as forever the supervillain and chief target. <laughs> Very familiar. So should I tell you what the Agora Institute is? Yeah, what is it? The Agora is the marketplace. So when you have agoraphobia, you like hate the mall, you hate open spaces, but it's really the market. That's what it means. So agorists are people who it's uh, it's an idea where instead of like saying libertarianism or anarcho-capitalism, it's about being in the Agora, about free markets. But this has nothing to do with this. It's the tagline of the Agora Institute at the Johns Hopkins University, the SNF Agora Institute, Stavros Nyarkos Foundation, strengthening global democracy through powerful civic engagement and informed, inclusive dialogue. So it just sounds like the same old bull. Absolutely. I'm wondering why they even have a conference for all of this stuff. I mean, duh. Obviously, I think this is for propaganda purpose in and of itself. So that they Oh, can... my gosh. Oh, this book I'm reading. It's the John Courtney Murray thing about time life and doctrinal warfare, the CIA changing the Catholic Church. It's amazing. You know how I call certain things hot propaganda? Yeah. Like some propaganda is designed for intellectuals. Uh -huh. That's what doctrinal warfare is. 
it actually explains it in great detail. It's yeah. like we are targeting the intellectuals, the influencers. Very interesting. So that's what these are for. And that is what the Wellington House, that was their specific strategy as well in World War One to get the United States and the rest of the international community on board. Get those influencers and then the other dominoes will fall, I guess. And here's a couple of solutions they offered. They said that we can't have a scattergun approach in the face of a focused, concerted, and coordinated enemy. It's simply not enough. A solution must entail cooperation between governments, between tech companies, between media, and between academia. So they want that top-down approach. And then they said, needless to say, only Russians can and should change this political situation, which I think is kind of another one of those nudges. Hey, rise up against your leader. Try to overthrow him through like a color revolution. And that's that. That was the Helsinki conference on Russian propaganda. Interesting. I got a story here about somebody you've talked quite a bit about. <laughs> More Russian propaganda? Yeah, the Ukrainian Hall or anti-Russian. Right, propaganda. exactly. The Ukrainian Hall of Fame boxing champ Vladimir Klitschko, he didn't pull his punches in a recent interview with Newsmax and he was being interviewed by Eric Bowling. Remember Eric Bowling? Yeah. In the Trump administration. Gosh, is he still alive? Yeah, he is. He's got a show on Newsmax apparently and he apparently is in opposition to Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens because he presented Glitchko with the Oh, Eric Bowling was the center guy of the five on yes, Fox. That's I right. was thinking he was the overweight liberal guy who did die. Yeah, that's right. And he was yeah. in Trump's and, administration, I think. Yeah, for a what happened while. to him? Is that he left to go to the Trump administration and they also got the chick. Uh the Irish chick. Newsmax did? No, oh, the Trump, Trump administration, yeah. Trump himself, like Trump Jr. picked off that girl. She had to leave the five also. Oh, she was the ex-wife about Kaylee? of Gavin Newsom. Oh, no, no, no. OK, Gilfoyle. I know you're talking about. I think you're talking about his Gilfoyle. wife, Don Jr.'s wife. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Oh, did he marry her? Yeah, they're married now. Wow. Yeah. You know, <laughs> anyway, keep they're going. either married or engaged. I think they're married. Right. OK. Eric Bowling is the guy whose son died of a, like a heroin overdose or something. And that's what oh, ended up him taking like a, a couple of years ago. I'll tell you about the Trump thing, though. What I think of it. Did you know that on Crocodile Dundee? Did you ever see that movie? Been a long time, but yeah. It, it was a huge hit when I was a kid. And the guy, the star, had been like actually a rough and tumble guy. And they made him a star. And he was... Uh, up against the whatever there's a co-star who's a female so he they like had so much sexual tent you know uh simulation because they were on fire you know they were like superstars out of nowhere and just that headiness of it all they left their spouses and married each other or at least he left his yeah. wife and they married. And it was a terror, you know, it really didn't work out. Like they stayed together for a while, whatever, but it was not, it was not a good, I think they might've stayed together for a really long time, but it wasn't good. It didn't work out. They were not really suited to each other. It that wasn't happens like long. on movie sets. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. That, I mean, it happens at the workplace. It happens in investment banking. Everybody's wearing a suit. They treat each other, really um, respect each other intellectually. It's, it's really a problem. And so when they do that, Sometimes after the the spotlight is off you, you're just stuck with this like, you know, uh, dissipated lust and there's nothing left to it. So I'm, I, you know, if their marriage, if they are married, surprised at that. And if their marriage lasts, I'd be surprised at that. Kimberly something starts with a G. Gilfoyle. Gilfoyle. That's right. Yeah, that's who it is. Yeah. So Eric Bowling asked Glitchko 
about what he wants to say to American conservatives like Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens and other right-wing figures who seem to be unsupportive of Ukraine. And this is his answer. He said, if you passively observe what's going on, and we do share some of the same principles of freedom and democratic principles like the United States and like the Western world. So if you passively observing your part of this invasion, if you're just observing, blood is on your hands too. And then he said, if you still have business and trade with Russia and you don't isolate Russia economically, you're bringing bullets and rubber into Ukraine. Oh, yeah. That's what I was saying yesterday. I didn't really have it well rehearsed, but he was saying that and he was like tag teaming with his brother, right. Vitaly, who's the thing. Yeah, they, it's it's that complicit, right? You're complicit. You're complicit. You're either you're either Ivanka with Trump. Ukraine or you're against the world. Or you're complicit. Exactly. And that, <laughs> that, that message, he's speaking directly to Republicans. And that, I found it interesting that this was on Newsmax and that it was Eric Bowling, who was and I think probably is still a Trump guy who had. So I wonder what Trump's position is going to be on Ukraine. I, I haven't heard him talk much about it. Maybe well, he has. Yeah, he was used to get the left to like Ukraine. Yeah. To want to support Ukraine. I think that was very obvious when that first impeachment thing started. It was like, obviously, they're headed towards increasing engagement in Ukraine. They, we, had a, we had a suggestion by a clip cutter guy like um, who said that we should go and cut clips from our previous shows where we predicted the future. Yeah. That would have been one of them. Problem is people don't remember that it wasn't just common knowledge by then. You can't say right, anything. Tough, People will yeah. always come back and be like, well, that was obvious. It's like, it definitely wasn't. Like, that right. was not obvious. However, you could also say of the hundred things that you predict, if only half of them come true, and you go back and pick those, you know, whatever. But I think we, we get it right, I would say, 75% of the time. Yeah, I think we do get it right a lot. And we've also recognized that sometimes when you're so early, to something when you call something so early that it can be banned, in fact, before it becomes yeah, public remember knowledge. Yeah, that, that example. And quite often we say something, then maybe three weeks later, Tucker Carlson is getting the most light yeah. on it through Fox News. Yeah, I agree like with that. that. So there was something I actually did, now that we're speaking of that, I saw immediately with the lockdown, which is, I, I think I called it like the TJ Maxing of America, or I don't know if you remember that, or the Iron Curtaining of retail, yeah. where instead of going to the store, knowing exactly what you want and going to get it, you get what you can, depending on what the store has that day. So I started eating like Smithfield bacon. Ugh, that's that like... It was the Chinese company that bought the pork manufacturer. And I was like, why is this the only bacon on the shelf? Like, I need my whatever it was, Hormel or whatever. I, I don't even know what I get. But then TJ Maxx, where they just have like overflow, overstock stuff. So you can go in there. And if you want some yoga gear, you can definitely find some. You're not definitely not finding like the yoga gear that you, you know, Lululemon or whatever you really no. like. You're not doing that. You have to be able to shop and whatever. You can get like and anything at TJ Maxx. What? You can get like anything at TJ Maxx. Yeah, you can, but you can't get everything at TJ Maxx. So yeah, right. you can get anything. And then there's also the um the other thing was that you if the if you want something specific, like Costco toilet paper, you have to remember when they get that delivery and go that day and mm -hmm. there'll be a line. Like those are things that I was actually doing. 
And I noticed that that's how I, I've been to Russia twice. I had tour guides twice there. I had a, I went to Prague. I had a tour guide there. Older people who were around during the Iron Curtain days. And this is exactly how they described it. And that's what I was super worried about. Same thing with cars. You got to order them in advance. I think so. This was a headline from today in the journal that I absolutely saw coming. Brand loyalty. Now, they're actually putting it on the consumer, but it's not the consumer's fault. Brand loyalty takes a hit from inflation and shortages. Food shoppers try new grocery products. We're seeing people make more choices on items. They're taking what they can get. They can't afford to be loyal because you don't have what they're looking for. So it will probably drive people to online. It will also favor these kind of um, less good, but kind of maybe better for the, for the, wholesalers i don't know who would benefit but the tj maxx style and it uh it says as inflation spreads and stretched supply chains leave gaps on shelves shoppers are becoming increasingly fickle availability and price are determining what goes into their grocery carts that's not fickle fickle is eh, i don't know sometimes i like this sometimes they're not fickle They're desperate. It's the opposite of fickle. If they were fickle, they would not be buying those things that they didn't prefer in that moment. It almost feels like this is going to, you're not standing with Ukraine if you don't continue to buy the product that you usually bought at a higher price. But that's not what, all the things that are happening, this is one of the many things that I think are intentional. They're doing something, and maybe it, it favors the, I think everything's moving towards oligopoly. So they're getting rid of all the mom and pop stores. They're getting rid of all choice, all variety. What's oligopoly? Oligopoly, like a monopoly is one. A duopoly is two. An oligopoly is a small number of producers, but not like what what you have at, used to have in the corner store. Now everything's 7-Eleven. Okay. Right? Or, Or a Quickie Mart or, you know, whatever. There's probably two. That would be a duopoly. But even in my mind, you know, I'm thinking maybe Cumberland Farms, but it depends on where you live. So if if they're looking for Target, Target is I think Target is big into that World Economic Forum stuff. Yeah. Target, they have their own brands, therefore the price conscious take what you can get kind of consumer. I just I think they're moving us away from demanding choice and demanding choice is what fosters new business. Mhm. So I think there's a lot to it. I, I, I think that they're trying to put it on the consumer. I think they're calling it brand loyalty. It, they're calling it fickleness, but that's not really what it is. And no, I agree. I think- it's not at all. Yeah, you said something about used cars, too. The price of used cars has gone up substantially. Yes, tremendously. Tremendously. So before we get to our deepest dive of the day, where we're going to try to get to the bottom of the $5.8 trillion federal budget Biden laid out this week, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR. Have scientists created a real-life love potion? And the Supreme Court is hearing a case on an issue that causes me libertarian dissonance. 
<laughs> but before that, I want to tell you about a special that uh, our sponsor, True Hemp Science, is running. They have a gummy product that's vegan, organic. They're real gummies. They contain organic, 100% hemp-derived, full-spectrum hemp oil, and 1.5 milligrams of THC, which is totally legal under federal guidelines. It is under the 0.3%, according to... The rules, uh, you can get a 12-count box or a 60-count jar. They're great for rest, golfing, relaxation, uh, before you go to sleep, or to help you cope with the nightly news. So use the Prop Report promo code and order $99 worth of products there. Receive a free 222-milligram bottle of the new number three CBD oil, uh, but be sure to type into the comment propaganda report. That's truehempscience.com. And uh, if you want to get our shows without commercials, you may get them at any of our premium platforms, patreon.com slash propaganda report, rockfin.com slash propaganda report, and propreport.locals.com. You can get all our XR material and exclusive material unique to each one of those platforms. So check them out. And I want to say one thing because someone told us that they heard a CNN Plus ad play. <laughs> well, the joke's on them. Yes, it is. Because CNN <laughs> I've banned sucks. a lot of stuff. Yeah, but I am absolutely, I can't believe, see, this is the thing, it's a double-edged sword. I don't like any banning in either direction. I, I won't do the government stuff, but, um, and I've taken a couple of requests to ban stuff, but I don't want banning in either direction. I don't want the content or the advertiser to feel responsible for what the other person is doing. Yeah. If it shocks the conscience, okay. I understand that, but I don't want the banning in either direction. And, and especially when, if CNN is average, is paying for our show, they're not getting any listeners out of their at minds. all. <laughs> None of us like them. They're out of no, their minds. I mean, it's just so the joke is on them. Uh, but anyway, so let's hear. Maybe maybe you'll hear that. <laughs> let's play a game. What commercials do you hear next? And is the joke on them? Now on to the deepest dive of the day. So Biden came out with a new budget. That's a budget proposal. Really, that all that stuff has to come from the legislators. It's almost $6 trillion. It generates a deficit well over $1 trillion. And that represents a decline in the deficit. The biggest deficit of all time, I, it could be double or triple <laughs> any previous deficit, was Trump 2020, over $3 trillion in deficit for a pandemic that, in my opinion, they created and to promote a vaccine that, in my opinion, is uh, not good for you. So that was then uh, 2021, which was Biden's first year. There was a $2.8 trillion deficit. And now we're looking at a $1.4 trillion deficit. Some of these numbers that I'm saying, if you look at different sources, you find different numbers. Um, my first go-to source is always usgovernmentspending.com. So deficits are out of control. The debt is going to approach $32 trillion and 140% of GDP. It's really shocking. 140% of GDP. That is danger territory. Absolutely. Heading into an inflationary environment with, with that kind of debt. It does not, it cannot end well. That is what I think is going to be the last straw to get us to the central bank digital currency. Absolutely believe that. And uh, so as I... I, I'm in a little bit of a ideological crisis, generally speaking, about libertarianism because I feel like the technocratic uh, tyranny, the tyrannical technocracy 
it's because it has all the surveillance and the censorship, it's going to be very hard to mount a revolution or even to just step off the grid and retain any of your rights to water or guns or all the things you need to be truly autonomous. And I look at good thinking people, you know, good meaning people who do see some value in government and some protection in government. And every time I entertain that thought, I see something like this, which is what they're spending the money on. And I'm just picking a couple of examples, the stuff that's been highlighted in the in the biggest news stories. He's putting $17.4 billion into law enforcement at the Justice Department. That is totally unconstitutional. And the Justice Department was actually established to subordinate states to federal law. See, there's no way to enforce federal law under the Constitution. So after the Civil War, they were still having trouble getting the states to take the laws that the states didn't want. That's so it's totally pathocratic. A tenth of that or 10 percent of that one point seven billion is on gun control. I mean, that's totally pathocratic. That's totally uh, against the Constitution. Eighty two billion over five years will be spent on preparing for another pandemic and for (laughs) biodefense and vaccines. I mean, this is them using that against us. If you want me to not be a freaking anarchist, then you've got to stop doing this stuff. Um, they and just then, justify everything. Pandemic, got next pandemic, got to well, do it. That's a bioweapon against us. Like the Russian sanctions are against us. Like that, I wouldn't even care. I would rather them burn it. I would rather them burn it. But anyway, so Fox News reported that um, included in his proposal was the largest tax hike in history. And they're calling it a billionaire's tax. It's not a billionaire's tax. To the extent that billionaires are all government connected rich, I have absolutely no sympathy for them. However, it's not just that. And in a highly inflationary environment, you wouldn't believe how fast it gets to. uh, Well, there's absolutely no chance on earth I would ever be in this category ever. Uh, but hyperinflation can get people into the category. And and the problem is the details often set a precedent. So um, and, and the third thing, which I'm going to get to later, is the taxes are not an answer to this problem, to the deficit problem. The taxes outlined on Monday included a minimum 20% tax on the incomes of U.S. households worth $100 million or more. Now, people worth $100 million or more don't usually earn an income. That's not how they make their money. They don't show up to work and get a paycheck. That's not (laughs) how it works. They usually like own a business or um, whatever. So so then I looked into it because I was like, that's not going to raise anything. They're including in income, income, which it absolutely is not income unrealized capital gains. There's no income. Nothing comes in. It's unrealized. So if you own a, a, a token, a crypto like Ray, and it increases in value, they are going to say that increase in value is taxed even if you didn't liquidate it. So if you didn't cash in your Ray, you have to cash in some of it to pay their taxes. So, wow. so that is going to make people hold savings less and it's a total abomination against math because sometimes those those so you're going to have to pay all that gain say you made $100 and they want $20 of that you're going to sell $20 of it and give it the tax then now you have $80 and if it crashes to 10 tomorrow you've lost all that but you've paid the taxes at the peak i mean it's really an abomination against math like the salt like the state and local taxes not being tax deductible that's double taxation it's an abomination and that so so if they're doing that to them, they may do it to everyone else after that. And you have no sympathy because you can't imagine being worth a hundred million dollars. But 
if they just make that a blanket rule. And by the way, that's not a billionaire's tax, right? So 20,000 people, uh, households fall into that category of working 100, we're being worth $100 million or more and good on them. Good on them. I bet those are the real workers. Now, the billionaires, I think, are the government connected, but there's only 700 of them. So it's not, it is only a tiny fraction of the people who will be uh, affected by that. So Biden also proposed raising the corporate tax rate to 28% from 21%. And I, for me, I don't know. When, ta- when Trump did his tax thing, our taxes didn't go down. I think they might even have gone up. So the accountant said, you've got an Airbnb, make a corporation out of it, um, put some income towards it. And then you have a corporation, which is how Trump arranged these tax deductions. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I don't care. So, but now, was that a bait and switch? Did they get everybody? I don't know if it's going to affect people like us who do little partnerships or little corporations like that or only big corporations. But again, it's just a way to go back. And these changes, when it makes you do a lot of stuff and then they go back and use it against you, that's just bad faith. And then the last thing he wants to do is a global minimum tax, which I think is supposed to be 15% on the taxes that corporations make in the country where they're making the money. I, I mean, I don't like global anything. I definitely don't like that. But I just want to add one thing about why it doesn't solve the problem. So all the governments in this country combined spend $10 trillion. When I first started doing this analysis, it was seven. <laughs> they spend $10 trillion. The general topics... Can I, can I ask you how long ago that was that you first started doing the analysis? Yeah, it was... So, uh, I think I started doing this analysis when I first started on WSB. So 10 years ago. So it went up 50% in 10 years, which is uh, if it doubled in 20 years, it would be like a two, three, three, 4% increase. So a year. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the categories on usgovernmentspending.com are pensions, including social security, healthcare, education, defense, welfare, protection, which I guess means police, transportation, general government, which may mean courts, I don't know, and other spending, and then interest. So the only things in those categories that are a legitimate function of government, any government at any level, in my opinion, it's not pensions, including social security, it's not healthcare, it's not education, defense, yes, uh, not welfare, protection, if it's cops, um, you know, just if you're a minarchist, not an anarchist like I am. Transportation, no. General government, maybe I'll say okay. Other spending, maybe I'll say okay. Interest, no, because we shouldn't have any debt at all. So if you look at just those valid things, other government, general government, and protection, that's only, I didn't sub it out, maybe one and a half trillion dollars. And that hasn't gone up. That is what it was back then. One and a half trillion dollars, I think. So that's like everything you think of as validating government is only 15% of the total government spending. Then look at defense. Defense is a trillion dollars, according to this analysis. Now, the next largest defense spender is China with $250 billion. So the next largest spends only a quarter. Russia spends $0.06 trillion, so $60 billion. They're really no match for us. And we have allies. Yeah. So, and we have allies. So we don't need to spend more than China. So all the rest of that spending, in my opinion, and I'm not the only person who holds this opinion, is is just payola to the defense industry. It's just transfers 
from taxpayers to corporations. That gets us down to about two and a half trillion dollars of even of what a what a constitutionalist would consider legitimate government spending. Two and a half trillion. Now, I'm going to go one step further. I know I'm taking a little time, but I'm almost finished. Only about a third of the American population are taxpayers. Two thirds are not. If you take, so what did I say? It was one and a half trillion. Uh, if you take the extra, so the eight trillion that that the government spends that, in my opinion, is unconstitutional and invalid, illegitimate, eight trillion dollars, almost all of which they convince you is worth spending because of the underprivileged. That's mostly yeah. what it's all about. That's how they violate is that people need help, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Take that $8 trillion and divide it among the 250 million people who do not pay taxes. 250 million people don't take taxes. If you divide that $8 trillion among them, this is men, women, and children. Every single person gets a check tax-free of over $30,000 a year. Wow. Every single solitary person who doesn't pay taxes right now, and presuming they don't pay taxes because they don't have income, would be the poverty level is $32,000 for an entire family. Every single person. Maybe I'm doing the math wrong, but I don't think so. And, and what I'm saying is that if, if you want to solve the problem of poverty or whatever, I'm not suggesting a universal basic income. I don't want any of that crap. I don't want any of this. I think they create the poverty so they can use it as an excuse. But more taxes doesn't solve the problem. This, this regime, this regiment, this system is not solving that problem. It's, in my opinion, making it worse. And to throw money at that, taxes and spending, isn't going to make it better. Because it's a problem that could, if, if money would solve the problem, that problem would be solved already in spades. Right. And the effects on the labor market would continue continue to be detrimental or, or bad because people aren't going to work if they're getting that amount of money. They're getting these handouts. and Yeah. I think, I think the labor shortage is fake. Yeah. So keeping them out of work, I mean, that's their... Oh, I agree that it's fake. It's the people yeah. who are staying at home and becoming protesters, you could do that. There's yes, more, that's, what I, that's yeah. why I think this is bad for people. Like, I think this is, they, they make sure people are disempowered and impoverished mm-hmm. because that's how, it's the Wally, it's the Wally thing. It's that, it's, I can't believe, I, that movie never made sense to me. But now I understand that you need impoverished people to get the most productive professional class to to dissipate all their surplus on maintaining those impoverished people. But there's absolutely no chance that two-thirds of the people are incompetent. I mean, a lot of them are children and old people, but I'm telling you, you could give them all this money. Surely some of them are competent workers. Yeah, they need the oppressed so that they can get the middle class to fund the oppressed right. and the oppressed to help yeah. them build up their power yeah. as well. Even... Even Obamacare and public transportation, in my mind, is a way to keep wages low for Target. You know, it's the middle class paying for the transportation of the lower class. I agree with them that these yeah. government-connected rich are not paying, paying taxes, but we can talk about the ideal tax structure, which would be nothing, but even a logical tax structure another time. All right. Well, we got any shout-outs? Not today. All right. Fantastic. Very interesting stuff. Thank you, Monica. Thank you all for listening. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or app. 
We will talk to you guys. Oh, if you guys want to check out the extra content that we have, we offer, we got propreport.locals.com, patreon.com slash propaganda report, rockfin.com slash propaganda report. Check out our different offerings on each platforms at those websites and uh, the propreport.com. We will talk to you tomorrow or the DMBXR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.